0: Because of some opportunities afforded to me, I can I can speak that on many different perspectives. I can tell you as a friend, it's quite unique, you know, it seems like the Lord can use social media every now and then. We we met through Twitter and uh, then were afforded the opportunity to meet face to face in a general conference a few years ago and from that has become one of the greatest relationships of my life. I thank God for that. And so as a friend, I can I can say that y'all are blessed. And then last November, we brought the two of them to our city and our district. They participated in a district youth event on a Friday night, a district men's thing and ladies' thing on the Saturday, and then in our local church on the Sunday. And so as a youth president on a district level, I can tell you that y'all are blessed. And as a pastor in a local church, I can tell you that Y'all are blessed. And just this past Friday, our general youth committee was meeting in St. Louis. I was blessed to be in those meetings. And many of you are probably aware that your pastor was invited to come and speak because of the incredible sacrifice and the generosity of this church for the cause of She's for Christ. And as one of 56 youth presidents in the United Pentecostal Church, let me just tell y'all that you're blessed. Your pastor just stepped in there and knocked it out of the park and I know from conversation with many people I think the expectation of many uh, when he stepped into the room was that we were going to hear a bit of a, a presentation of what this church had done or how this church had accomplished what they've done I don't think, I knew what was coming, I was texting in that morning I knew what was coming, I don't think too many in that room were prepared uh, for what the Holy Ghost did, And as he began to talk I was texting your pastor's wife pictures of him up there I'm texting her I said there's revelation in this room right now and when it was done our general youth president was walking by and grabbed him I said brother Enzi I hope I'm not out of line right now But I said he preached the same thing at our church in November and he finished the same atmosphere that, that was in our church is here right now and I said I feel like the spirit of prophecy is here and we would be amiss if we didn't stop right now and take an opportunity to speak some very specific things that we want God to do I'll tell you, there was a powerful move of the Holy Ghost in that meeting room on Friday afternoon. And so I say all that to say this, you guys are blessed with one tremendous pastor, his wife and his family. I think we ought to give them honor this morning. There's some great, great people. I... Tried to rehearse this a couple times so I'd say it without getting emotional. Thank you. I'm kind of real humble this morning for two reasons. One, because of your very, very generous gift to our family at Christmas. Never in my life have I received something like that. Thank you. Different times walking around here this morning, I'm trying to rehearse it in my mind and think, God can I get up there and do this without looking like a fool. I can't. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. The second reason I feel real broken up this morning is because I feel like I'm standing in the midst of something so special. I don't know if all of us understand the magnitude of how special this is. I do feel like I come with a word from the Lord this morning, and much of what I say will probably sound like just repetition from the testimonies and some of the exhortation we've heard here today. If you'll allow me, I feel like I come with a word from God that will hopefully position us to receive what I feel like is available to us today. I'm going to look at two portions of Scripture First in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse number 4. We're going to jump over to the book of Romans, chapter number 12, verse number 6. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 4. The Bible says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. How many know there's only one God? And His name is Jesus. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. And we understand this is what we refer to as the gifts of the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So, Paul is making it clear there are different gifts, there are different operations or manifestations of the Spirit, but the source is only one. It all comes from Jesus. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, Interpretation of tongues, but all these worketh that one. And the, Paul sees adamant on this: the self-same Spirit. Let, let us not be confused because of the diversity of giftings. Let us understand this: that it all comes from the same Spirit, Jesus. And he ends, dividing to every man severally as he will. And then Romans chapter 12, verse number 6, again it is the Apostle Paul writing, he says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. And notice two similarities here. In In the nine gifts of the Spirit, he lists one, the gift of faith and the gift of prophecy. And now in Romans 12, he admonishes us that we are to prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. I would like to take just a few minutes, I will try not to be too long this morning, but I would like to try to open our understanding to the connection of faith and prophecy and preach to you on this subject, let us prophesy. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, I thank you for the awesome, awesome presence we feel in this room this morning. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I feel that liberty here this morning. The liberty to move and and exercise the giftings of the Holy Ghost that are present here today. God, I pray You would now give us that sensitivity to the Word of the Lord that we would receive all that You have for us here today. and That it would not be done with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but Lord, there would be that demonstration of the Spirit that we are hungering for today. And everybody said in Jesus' name, you can be seated. Let us prophesy. How many know words are powerful? We've already been admonished this morning about the power of a compliment. I could tell you different times in my life I have received a compliment. Just Friday night, somebody pulled me aside at a banquet and shared something with me had me in tears by the end of it, I just, thats the power of a compliment. On the opposite side of things, some of you probably here this morning could testify to a point or a moment in your life when you were the recipient of words that perhaps never should have been spoken over you. Maybe from your childhood, adolescent years, teen years, and still today, maybe decades removed, you remember them vividly because words have power. The writer of Proverbs said, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. My friend, words have power. It was Paul who said that for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by the wisdom knew not God. But it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now certainly some might think we were fools this morning for gathering in a room such as this to hear a man take a microphone and exhort about a man named Jesus Christ and all that he has done and all that he can do. To some this might look foolish, but to us who believe we understand this is the power of God unto salvation. You say, can something so significant really happen when a man takes a microphone and begins to talk about Jesus? Well, yes, it can, because there's power in words. When those words exit my mouth, it's not because it's Dan McLeod. on the basis of faith in his name and on his word. When those words leave my mouth and enter into your ear and you process them in your mind and you choose to take those words and embed them in the fabric of your character and those words begin to form how you live and how you speak and how you, how you act, those words have power. So Paul understood that to some preaching might look foolish, but what Paul understood is when I preach, these words have power, that these words can step into a drug-ridden home and deliverance can come, and these words can, can find their way into the ear of somebody that the doctor says has cancer, and these words bring healing because there's power in words book of Hebrews, the writer says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. I like that. I've done some carpentry in my day, and I like that word framed, because it don't matter how nice your furniture is. You can have the nicest appliances in the city of Tulsa, but if you could snap your your fingers... And make the studs in that wall disappear. Not a whole lot going to matter. That framing is pretty important. And the worlds were framed by the word of God. It's the word that he spoke back in Genesis 1. That gives structure to everything we see. It's the very word of God that causes the planets to orbit just the way they should. It was the very Word of God that caused that sun to rise this morning. The Word of God has power. So that the things which are seen were not made by things which do appear. To think that He could just speak and those words had such power. Second Timothy. Paul's writing to that apprentice of his in ministry. And one in verse 6, he speaks of the gift that is within you by the laying on of hands. Perhaps this Pentecostal or this apostolic thing is somewhat new to you. Uh, let us, our understanding we open this morning that there is scriptural precedent for the laying on of hands and for the speaking of the word of faith. We don't do this because it's just emotional or it's exciting. We do it because there is biblical precedent. And so Paul lets us know, Timothy, there is a gift that is within you. As a matter of fact, he says it came in you when we laid hands on you and we begin to speak over you. There is power in our words. In 1 Timothy 1 and verse 18, the Bible makes mentions of those prophecies that were before us, they had gone on before us, and we are admonished to make war and good warfare on the basis of those prophecies, what Paul is telling Timothy. Timothy, when you find yourself staring down a circumstance that looks like it's beyond your ability, beyond your level of training, beyond your level of understanding, understanding timothy just remind yourself of those words of those prophecies that were spoken before you and as you reminisce on those prophecies on those words something's going to happen to your faith and you're going to be fueled to make good warfare you're going to be fueled to continue on in the fight of faith so timothy remember those prophecies There's power in words. prophecy is simply a pronouncement inspired by God. I understand it can be abused in the Christian world of our day. I understand that. We are not to dismiss that. As a matter of fact, the reason Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is to correct the abuse of the gifts in the church of Corinth. And So just because some perhaps might take this too far in their exercise does not mean we should go so far the other way and deny their existence or refrain their operation in our life and in our church. We should be like Paul and strive to bring balance and maintain proper exercise and administration of the gifts. And a prophecy is simply a pronouncement inspired by God. As the Spirit of the Lord would move, on a man or a woman to speak they would speak as the spirit anointed them and suddenly as those words were spoken it was the eye could not see it but what was happening as those words were crafting a reality that at some point in the future they would step into the reality that those words had created Again, it's in 1 Timothy 4. The Bible said, Timothy, neglect not the gift that is within you, which was given thee by prophecy. See, Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy, I want you to remember something. I want you to remember that moment my hand touched your forehead and I opened my mouth and I began to speak something over your life. Remember that, Timothy. There is a pattern in the Scripture from the beginning of the Old Testament to the formation of the apostolic church in the New Testament. That When God gets ready to do a new work, there is the same pattern in every place. It is spirit and word. You could go to the opening pages of your Bible in Genesis chapter 1 and in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved. The first thing that happened when God said, I'm getting ready to create something. A world where my glory will dwell. A place where where man will enter into covenant with me. A place that, that will exist for the sole purpose of giving glory to my name. The first thing God did... Allow His Spirit to move upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. No opposition, no obstacle, no hindrance. God simply speaks and it happens. But I want you to notice the first thing that happened was the Spirit moved. And when the spirit began to move, the atmosphere for creation was created. When the spirit began to move, the atmosphere was created for those words to come forth. And so, spirit and word. You can find that frequently throughout the Old Testament. But for the sake of time, we just jump into the New Testament. And we come to the great story of the virgin birth, the Incarnation, God in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. and There in Luke chapter 1, the angel comes in to Mary. Now an angel in and of itself bears no significance of its presence. It's not the presence of the angel that is significant, but angels were created to guard and glorify the Lord. They were guardians of His presence. And they exist to worship Him forever. And so wherever there's an angel, the presence of God will be present. So I can only imagine what it would have been like to be in that room when the angel stepped in. And Mary is awakened to the reality that I'm feeling something I have never felt before. And that angel opens its mouth and says, Hail, thou art, that's not my wife, that's what I call her, hail. Thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. The Bible said when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. I think is a pretty fitting response if an angel walked in my bedroom and said you just found favor with God who knows what the presence in that room felt like just moments before maybe she was struggling with fear maybe she was feeling a little anxious who knows what kind of emotions were running through her mind but I can tell you one thing when that angel stepped in the room and said, the Lord is with thee, the presence changed. Because the Spirit of the Lord was there. And as that angel begins to speak words and make a pronouncement over her life, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus he shall be great he shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give unto him the throne of his father David he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever now if you're just a young woman that has not even said your I do this might be just a little bit hard to comprehend but the word and the spirit of God are present then said Mary unto the angel how shall this be, seeing I know not a man. The angel answered and said, that word said is an important, because we're talking about the power of words. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God of God and Mary soon responds be it unto me according to thy word every word that came out of the mouth of that angel was like a concrete stone that she could put her foot of faith on in every word that was spoken was enough substance for Mary to buy into And so there, as that incarnation is coming to pass, as the Spirit of God overshadows this young virgin Mary and begins to conceive in her womb a child unlike any other. It was the Spirit and the Word. You can go to the baptism of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3. It is a significant moment in the ministry of Christ because until this point, John the Baptist, the one that Isaiah called the, the forerunner, that voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. It, it had been all about John until this point in time, but John knew there's, there's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not, I'm not worthy to unlatch. They, my time is short and so this day in the Jordan River, John's eyes are open and he understands his time is over and this is what happens. Jesus, when He was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened, and He saw the Spirit. This is John. He, singular, John saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Him. Verse 17, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, Spirit and Word, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That manifestation of the Spirit happened to let John know, John, this man you've been preaching about, this Messiah you've been waiting for, this man in the water is Him. And so John, up until this moment of time, you've been baptizing them under repentance, but you just need to step aside, John, because this man, this Messiah is going to go to a cross, And John, there's gonna be a name greater than your name. And there's gonna be a new baptism with a name that's not repentance and not John. And there's gonna be, John, just just step aside because now it's all about Jesus. But I want you to I want you to understand. It was all because the Spirit descended and an utterance went forth. Spirit and word. It was like the Initiation of the ministry of Christ, spirit and word. And then we come to that event, we celebrate, we talk about, we preach about, and I hope to God we all experience the day of Pentecost. Just some days prior to that, Jesus stands with His disciples at a place called Bethany. He says, Behold, I send the promise of My Father upon you, but go and tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, until you be endued with power from on high, and I'm sure we understand that at that moment in time he is speaking to a crowd of 500 people. And then by the time we roll over to Acts chapter two, we find only 120 in the upper room. Let me caution us this morning: it's possible to miss this. I don't know if some of the 500 just decided it's not worth walking to Jerusalem. I don't know if some of the 500 maybe started out towards Jerusalem but got distracted on the way. Maybe some even made it to the upper room but didn't tarry till the 10th day. would have been a shame to walk out that door the morning it happened. But Jesus told them, go to Jerusalem and tarry there until. It is possible to miss this. But there in that upper room, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. By the time that tenth morning had rolled around, the people who were left were ready. The people who were there until were hungry. And suddenly. Because my friend, that's how quick it can happen. You might have walked through that door this morning carrying the same problem you carried last week. And the week before that. And the week before that. But here in just a few minutes, there's going to be a prophetic unction that is released. And there's going to be a suddenly that steps in this room. Because that's how quick it can happen. You say, well, they prayed on the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, seventh day, eight day, nine, ten. But on the morning of that tenth day, the Bible said, and suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. I'm not talking about something you've got to manufacture. I'm talking about something that comes from heaven, something that you can't manufacture, something that you can't replicate. I'm talking about something supernatural. And what was great? is it did, just didn't come up on the platform. It just didn't sweep through the music section. The Bible said it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It sat upon each of them. What God was pouring out, He said, hey, it's for every single one of you. And they were all, somebody say all. All. Everybody in this room this morning can get what you need. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, come on now, that, that's important. This was not something they were just making up. This was not something they thought up on their own. It was as the Spirit gave them utterance, the, the Holy Ghost came and began to move upon them and, and sounds and words began to come out that they perhaps could not comprehend, did not understand but outside on the street there were some people that saw them kind of stumble out of the door and, and said, my goodness sir are you drunk? It's but it's but nine o'clock in the morning and that man stands up and says, hey, hey, hey these people are not drunk as you suppose. Let me just tell you what happened. You remember that that prophecy, you remember those words that were spoken a long time ago? Hey, let me, let me remind you people wondering here this morning about that prophet named Joel who told you there was coming a day that God was going to pour out His Spirit, that this, this thing was coming down from heaven, and that when it comes, When it comes, your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy and dream dreams and suddenly their understanding is open to the fact that what is happening right now is we are standing in the fulfillment of a prophetic word what is happening right now on the streets of Jerusalem those prophetic words that Joel spoke hundreds of years ago painted a reality it crafted an event on the calendar of heaven that God said on this day at this time I will do this and maybe from the moment those words were spoken until the moment those words were fulfilled there were some doubters there were some skeptics there were some scorners, there were some wanderers but let me just tell you this morning, for the 120 that waited until they saw the fulfillment of a prophetic word words have power Now I understand we're human we're all human wrestling with doubt and unbelief is not beyond any of us we're human As much as we live by faith and act by faith, there will be at least moments when in our flesh we grapple with those demons of unbelief, worry, and anxiety, and we begin to question the promises and the works of God. Acts chapter 12 is a great example. There a group of believers have gathered praying for the release of Peter who is held for preaching the gospel. And while they are praying, Peter experiences a miraculous deliverance. And all of a sudden, a knock's on the door. Rhoda goes and opens that door and sees Peter. And she is so dumbfounded by what is standing before her. She shuts the door in his face, goes back into the room, and says, Peter's at the door. Now, if it was me, I would like to think my response would have been kind of grabbed by the hand, run into the room, and we'd all be, you know, cutting a rug and doing Jericho's. And... But I understand I'm human just like Rhoda. And so they start to talk, and well, it, it can't be Peter. It, it must be Peter's ghost. Now, in, in, in Jewish philosophy, what that meant was that Peter had already been killed. Because Jews believed that after you had died, your ghost or your spirit would kind of hover for three days. With the possibility of resurrection. Which is why in the story of Lazarus. Lazarus when Jesus shows up on the fourth day. They think it's too late. Had he had come on day one, two or three. In their frame of mind. There was possibility of of resurrection. Because his spirit was still there. Jesus said well if your philosophy is wrong. I'm just going to wait till you rule your philosophy out too. Then I'm going to show you what I can do. And so they're in this room thinking. Can't, it can't be Peter, Rhoda. It must be Peter's ghost. Which is their way of saying, he's dead. They didn't, they didn't even hold him to execute him in the morning. Like they said they would. They've already killed him. I can hear Peter out there. Hey! Rhoda! What you doing in there? And you understand what's happening. The miracle they're praying for has come to pass and the answer is on the other side of the door. that they just need to open and let it walk in. Can I tell you this morning that's where we're standing? This is this is where we are. We're standing in such a special place. The things we've been praying for, are just on the other side of that door. But if we're not careful, we can allow those human tendencies to rob us of such a simple act of faith as opening the door. See, what, what the Lord is looking for is somebody like that Roman centurion. In the 8th chapter of Matthew, Sir, my servant is sick and needs to be healed. Well, let let us go to your house. No, no, you don't need to come to my house. I am also a man under authority. I understand how words work. I've got servants under me, Jesus, and I understand a man with authority, he can just speak something. I can say, go do this, and they'll go do that. And I can say, come do this, and they'll come do that. And so Jesus being a man under authority, I understand the power of words. And so if you'll just speak the word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus looks at that man and I imagine with shock and joy and celebration, he says, my goodness, I have not found such great faith in all the land. All it took was somebody who understood the power of that spoken word and Jesus could look him in the eye and say, I've not seen such great faith. You say, is it that simple? It is that simple. And that's where we err. In our tendency that is so, that is so human, we look for explanation, and we look for definition, and we constantly seek understanding. Can I just tell us something this morning that the Lord has taught me? Our pursuit of understanding is robbing us of the ability to trust. God walks us through things. Opens the door when He wants. Closes the door when He wants. And our constant need to understand why is robbing us of the miracles that only come by trust. Jesus could look at that man and say, because you understand the power of a spoken word, Let me admonish you that I have never seen such great faith before. He did not ask a question. It it was as simple as it was in Genesis chapter 1. Speak and come to pass. What I feel is this. It's our seven year anniversary coming up. Now, speaking in terms we understand. Financially, organizationally. A church of seven years is limited somewhat. We, we may not have the resources that a church that's been around for 25, 30, or 40 years might have. We might not have the finances or the people or the systems that they might have. But here's what I feel. And this is why I open with the text that I did about faith prophecy is God is taking us into a season where He is going to gift us faith to speak things beyond the years of our investment. Let's use money because it's something we all understand. It's easy. If you've been investing money into an account for seven years even if you're quite comfortable and quite wealthy, there comes a limit to your resource. There comes an end to what you're able to do. And so even after all the investment that the church today has sowed into the kingdom of God in the city of Tulsa after seven years, there comes a place where you're just maxed out where you in your your flesh cannot do more. You're just there. You're limited. When you go to look for property, there is a number that you're capped at because it's just beyond you. That that there's certain things that you're not able to do because you just don't have the money or the number of people or the things that that are needed to do it. That's reality. And so when we come to the place where we enter into a time of transition and we have to start to evaluate and consider the future and strategically plan and try to position ourselves in the will of God, there is a framework in which we think because we know where our limits are. What I've come to tell us this morning is that there is a supernatural opportunity where God is about to gift us faith to begin to prophesy some things that are beyond our limits. In Ezekiel chapter 37, it's a story I'm sure we're familiar with. The music can come back. We try not to be too too much longer. But I want you to hear this. In Ezekiel 34, the Bible says, "...the hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones." And caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Now there's some emphasis that the prophet puts here. Number one, let us not overlook the fact that he is in the Spirit. that This is orchestrated of God. But he is in a valley. And scripture valleys are not necessarily a place to celebrate quite often it is that mountaintop experience we seek after, though it is the valleys which probably equip us for the greater greater things in life. He is in a valley. There were very many bones, the Bible says, and they were very dry, which is to imply that these bones have been here a while. There is not order. Or it's not like there has been a corpse that has recently decayed. We're talking about they've been scattered, carried by animals, picked by vultures. And there's no order. And these bones are dry. They've been sitting under the the heat of this sun for months, if not years. It is a situation that appears hopeless. All possibilities are gone. There is no hope in this valley. There's no life in this valley. And there, standing amidst this sea of dry bones, the Lord says, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh Lord God, Thou knowest. I think that was the prophet's way of saying, God, You know that if anything's going to happen in this valley, it's coming from You. The ability, the resource, the possibility, the opportunity for the miracle that You're asking, God, it lies in You. I want you to see this. There's a difference between asking, can bones live, and can these bones live? There's a big difference between me saying, God can heal, and me looking at you and saying, God can heal you. There's a big difference between me just grabbing a microphone and saying, God can give somebody a building. And me saying, God can give the church today a building. See, there's a big difference between just just being general in our declaration of faith. And saying, God can do this. Staring at a doctor's report and saying, God is going to do this. There Ezekiel standing. Looking. At this sea of dry bones. And God doesn't say, can bones live? Oh, it's easy to say, yes, God can resurrect. But when He's standing before His circumstance, when He's staring His problem in the eye, He's standing His struggle in the eye, His dilemma. This is personal to Him. Because this is where He lives. And God says, Son of man, can these bones live? You mean these bones that I can touch with my hand? You mean these bones that I'm looking at right here? These bones that I I, I can pick up, but I can't do nothing with? You mean these bones? Oh Lord. Thou knowest I can tell you this morning God could heal you And you could say You mean You mean this gallbladder You mean This injury You mean this doctor's diagnosis You mean this Diabetic condition You mean this back pain Suddenly things get a little more personal and while that gives us the opportunity to connect in our faith to rise and begin to believe God, there is a part of us that, that gets somewhat timid when we make the miraculous personal. We want to shout God's a healer. But when I've got to step out of my seat and stand at the front and say, right now, I'm believing God to heal me. of We get a little bit timid. Can these bones live? So I would ask you this question this morning. Whatever valley you're standing in, whatever circumstance you're staring at, the question you've got to answer is, Can these bones live? And again, the Lord says unto me, Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. O ye dry bones, hear ye the word of the Lord. O ye dry bones, hear ye the word of the Lord. O ye dry bones, hear ye the word of the Lord. Come on Ezekiel, it don't look like much right now. It looks just like a sea of lifelessness, a sea of hopelessness. But Ezekiel, the Spirit is upon you and when you begin to open your mouth and you begin to speak to those dry bones, the Word of the Lord is going to begin to create something and suddenly those bones come together. Come on Ezekiel prophesied to the wind those bones come together and sinew comes upon those bones and flesh comes upon that muscle tissue and the Lord again says Ezekiel speak what you have need of and so he prophesies breath into that body and suddenly where there was just a sea of dry bones rises an army with life and with strength all because he prophesied Speak to these bones. Speak to these bones. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Woo. Hallelujah. Let me get your attention Because here's what's got to happen Paul said we are to prophesy According to the proportion Of our faith Here's the reality Sometimes life just beats us up and our faith is not where it needs to be to prophesy to the measure that we must to receive the miracle that's on the other side of that door and so our faith must be addressed now I understand that the Bible there's certain things we can add to our faith faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, there's ways that we can nourish our faith but you can nourish your faith for seven years and there comes a limit to And then there's that gift of the Spirit that comes from Jesus. Yeah. And it's a gift. A gift that you didn't earn. A gift that's not coming on the basis of your investment as great as your investment has been. It's a gift. It's not because you've done anything in the eyes of God to deserve it. It's just because there's a miracle coming that's beyond the measure of your investment. That's right. And if your if the reception of the miracle is coming on the basis of your faith, that is according to your investment, your faith isn't great enough. No, that's right. the truth. Yeah. Because it, as good as God has been in the past seven years, and the place the place where your faith is in here this morning is because of what has happened over the past seven. But even at that level. It's not enough for the measure of the miracle that I can see in the spirit for the church today. And so God says, the church today, I've come to gift you some faith. Let's use money because money is how we understand it. If, if your investment capped at $500,000 and, and you go looking for something, you say, $500,000 is, is the most we can do. We've sacrificed, we've, we, we, we've done, we've given, $500 is where we're at. But God says, well, my miracle is a $2 million miracle. Right. Right, right, right. And you say, but I can't, that, that's beyond me. God says, that, that doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Because up here, there's no limit. So I just come alongside you and I begin to gift you 1.5 million. And so now I'm just using money and numbers so we understand the concept that I'm conveying. And so now God has gifted us what we need to receive the miracle that is in our future. And what I'm saying here this morning is is even after God has been so good over the past seven years and, and there I'll tell you that the faith in here this morning this is pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome I told you that this is a special place but the size of the miracle I can see in the future of the church today is is beyond even what I feel stirring here this morning yes, 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 and yes, so God yes. says you know what Pastor Barron, church today, I can't wait another 25 years. Now, someone might look at somebody like the Pentecostal of Alexandria and say, well, that's easy for them. But God's looking at the church today this morning and saying, I can't wait another 10, 15, or 20 years. And so today, the Lord has come to gift you the faith so that you can begin to speak things that are beyond the measure of your investment over the past seven years. And when that faith comes upon you, you you can begin to speak things. And those words that the Spirit has anointed come off your lips with that prophetic unction. And it begins to, to create a reality. And as you just keep walking by faith, just keep walking by faith, what happens is there comes a moment when that door is opened, and that reality that your words have created and the reality that you live in that sometimes seems so distant one from another become a reality. And you step into the miracle that you spoke. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh hallelujah. Shoko rabahando si a la mukata rabaha. Nemongo ko si analamukoto mosha handolo moko raba. In the name of Jesus. In the name